Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Griefsters. I hope you're having an okay week. Um, I know it's been tough lately, and I just wanted to acknowledge that if you are dealing with grief along with everything else that is going on currently in the world, then that is a hard rucksack to have on. And so I hope that wherever you are, you have someone that can help you with that rucksack. Um, I should also mention, while I while I have you, I have a book coming out next January. You are not alone and you can pre-order that now. And I'm thinking there is actually, I do talk about the rucksack thing in the book in case you liked that. Uh, you can pre-order from wherever you want to pre-order your books from, but it makes a huge, huge difference to the authors if you do that. So I'd be very, very grateful if you've done it already. Thank you so much. This week I'm talking to the very brilliant Emma Kennedy. Emma is an actor, a writer and author. She's written 11 books, including The Tent, The Bucket and Me, which was turned into the BBC sitcom The Kennedys, starring Catherine Parkinson. And she has a new book out called Letters from Brenda. Brenda, in the title, is her mother, uh, who we are talking about in this chat. And as you will hear, she is quite the character (laughs) i don't know how else to say it um the book is absolutely brilliant i would really really recommend it i i dived into it and finished it really quickly it was just yeah quite the life and extraordinary world that emma has managed to capture so this is me and emma talking about the inimitable brenda so emma who are we remembering today uh my mother your mother Brenda, brenda who was very complicated person having read your brilliant book letters to brenda i yeah complicated is is the only word yeah <laughs> it's quite um yeah I, I feel like can you sum her up briefly just for the listeners because if they haven't read the book you i feel like you need a bit of a sense of who we're talking yeah. about here 
it, it was it was like knowing two people at the same time. Mm. There was the good Brenda, who was this brilliant, charismatic, extraordinary person who, I, I think the best way of describing her is she was like a wild horse. Mm. And that if you walked into a field and a wild horse emerged from nowhere, you would think it was the most magical <laughs> thing possible. Yeah. And if that wild horse came over to you and wanted to spend time with you, Wow, it would, it would yeah. be an experience you would never forget for the rest of your life. But a wild horse can also smash your brains in with their mm. hooves. Yep, and yep. that and that was bad Brenda. <laughs> and and bad Brenda, you know, you never know never knew when which Brenda you were getting. Yeah. So it was it was like being around a very unpredictable wild animal. Yeah, cuz I love that metaphor so much cuz to wander into a field I've seen, I'm half Welsh, so I've seen a lot of wild horses over, like, you know, on the cliffs by the sea. Mm. Beautiful. But for that wild horse to, like, be in charge of getting you up for school, making you breakfast. Well, like, I mean, but that, that that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that wild horse is yeah. not, that's not on that wild horse's remit. It's not on its, on its job description. No. No, uh, I mean, a, a wild horse is just out for itself. Yes. Doing uh, its thing. So, you know, the, 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 there's no point in, in, in which a wild horse is going to stop what it's doing and, and help you pull your cart. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just simply never going to happen. It's not aware you have a cart. That's not on no. its, yeah. <laughs> no. Didn't know it was there. It's like cart, carts are not for the wild horse, yeah. no. That's a very, I mean, yeah, the book is, is brilliant. And we should say, contains a series of letters that she, she wrote to you. Mm. as you were growing up and your reflections on them yeah it, I think it's important people understand a little bit about yeah her character because obviously she was an extraordinary character so um how long ago did Brenda die eight years eight years um, okay. eight yeah. years ago she died uh on May the 18th in 2014 so we and... we say on the show eight's a bit tricky I think because um the first five is sort of first you know not to five years bit of a blur but people kind of care <laughs> and then five to ten people are like yeah. oh yeah that's the thing that happened to you but mm. it's interesting to me did you only start writing the book last year so, so it's t has it taken yeah. you a while to write about her it has taken me a long time yeah. to write about her Oof. and uh, I mean bearing in mind I, I got the letters three years after she died oh wow okay so it then took me a further four years to think, OK, this, enough is enough. I've got to finally find out what was what she suffered with for all of her life. She mm. uh, we should explain she had a uh, she had an undiagnosed mental illness that was never addressed in her lifetime. And there were things that happened on the day she died that really properly damaged me, mm. really deeply damaged me. When I found the letters, that was sort of the start of me being able to come out of that uh, and, and be able to sort of look back and, and say, OK, those things that, that I found really damaging on, on that day, I'm starting to be able to just live with it. Because I, I still, to this day, there are certain things that happened on that day that I still can't talk about and I'm not convinced I won't cry. Mm, yeah. It's 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 extraordinary the damage that that day did to me. But the letters were the start of the pathway out. Mm. And two I think I th I th what one thing especially that they gave me was they helped me remember the good Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. And I was left I was left with I'd been left with bad and sad. Mm. 
I'd been left with mad, bad and sad. That's what I'd been left with. <laughs> Not who you want to be left with at the party. No. Those people need to leave and, early. And I had, I'd forgotten the vivaciousness of her and the, yeah. the outrageousness of her and how unique she was. Mm. This is the thing is that I, I, I really, I, I will often say to people, I've ne- I never knew anyone like her. I've never known anyone like her since, and I will probably never know anyone like her again. Mm. And that sort of feels like an extraordinary thing to say yeah. about your mother mm. or about anybody. But she really was. Yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and I've actually come to appreciate that more having written the book. It's really interesting. I, I obviously interviewed a lot of people, and I think what, what you're describing is that first the first few years of grief is that all all you have is like the illness and the death mm. and it takes yeah. a long time to remember them healthy normal yeah. like and i think it's so interesting that you said that those letters got gifted to you from you know that that the universe chose no, not you know what i mean the yeah. universe like it chose oh, no, to wait I'm, for I'm 3 all, years i mean i'm into that i'm into really okay, into great. that all now so great. yes please the universe sent them yeah, to me yeah and it waited yes. 3 years because if you'd got them straight away you probably wouldn't have looked at them or you might have looked at one and gone oh i know what that box is fine but the fact that it waited you do need a lot of time and you know so my dad died of cancer and it took me years to remember him not ill like he was mm. just ill in my head even though he wasn't ill for a very long yeah. time yeah. um and similar to i i really I'm terrible for relating my story, people's stories to me. Regular listeners will know. But my dad was an extraordinary character. And I really related to what you were saying about, like, I, I my only description is, like, you knew he was in the room. Like, he, mm. the tornado of a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. some people found him just inspirational. And other people wanted mm. to punch him instantly. Like, he was a yes. really tricky character. <clears throat> and mm. if you got him and you liked him you got the best of him. Um, mm. So I really related to struggling to remember someone who is, it's very hard to describe somebody like that. Force of nature. Force of nature. And it, and also, yeah, like if people haven't met them, it's like, oh, how do I sum up like the whirlwind that I live with? I live with... Yeah, the, it and it's, was the, like, it's the energy they yes, give off, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. And, and... Oh, a huge energy. And huge. also, what do, you, what do you do when the energy is gone? I yeah. mean, for me, that for me, it was complicated because I, I describe her as she was my my you know the greatest light in my life, but also the heaviest burden. Mm, yeah. And that weight, when that weight has gone, mm. you feel relief. Yeah. But you also feel an emptiness. Yeah. Because I, I'm 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 sort of fast understanding that that my mother was probably the greatest muse I will ever have. <laughs> yeah, I did think that when I was reading the book, I was like, I mean, this is, she gave you material every oh single day. Like this woman never didn't give you material. <laughs> she oh, was like, no. She was no. never just quietly in the background. No. Like she was it, delivering. And, it, it, and I feel like I'm now robbed yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of decades, of yeah. at least two decades worth yeah. of her becoming crazy old lady. Oh, she would have been. Rather than just, yeah. I mean, she would have been extraordinary. Yeah. She would have been an absolute pain in the ass, and I wouldn't have had a moment's <laughs> peace. But, you know, it's that's all gone. Yeah. The the in the interest the the small yeah. intricate intrigues yeah. that she always brought are gone. But here's an interesting thing. Uh, going back to what you were saying about your dad and, and just remembering uh, the illness and the bad bits. Mm. 
I don't know if you've dreamt about your father since he's died, but my mum has come to me in dreams um, a couple of times. And here's the interesting bit. The first time I, I, I dreamt about her, she was sitting on the floor because she couldn't stand. She was weak. She looked as she did on the day she died. Wow. And she had a sick bowl in her hands. Yeah. And I asked her how she was. And she just said, well, that was quite the journey. Wow. And then, re- and then reached for the sick bowl. So that was my first dream of her. Wow. But every single time I've dreamt of her, she's got steadily younger. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Of course she so has. I've only, yes. So I've only dreamt of her as ill once. Wow. And every single time she's just, she's just got a little bit younger. Wow. I think the last time I dreamt about her, she was sort of in her prime wow. of about, you know, 35, 40 looking sensational and being absolutely full of herself <laughs> in my dream <laughs> because she because also once you if you can go back to when you in your prime you appreciate it you're not going oh, oh i yeah. need to lose weight i need to do it. you're like yeah. no no this was the greatest yeah. moment <laughs> yeah yeah i am fabulous thank you and now here i am being fabulous in the afterlife having, so that that that's interesting yeah me. that's really interesting and having read your book i i can fully believe that brenda would choose and would would make it happen that <laughs> she would yeah. be like no no i'm not going to be an old old spirit thank yeah. you i want to go back yeah. thank you to this moment um yeah i haven't i mean it's difficult because obviously i was 15 so it's like it's so wrapped up in like not really understanding what was going on um i did have dreams about him my mum and brother had much more beautiful dreams i had like <laughs> i had this dream where his his dead body was in the porch and like and he looked really he had like pancreatic liver cancer so he was very yellow and um, we just kept like walking past it. Like in the dream, I kept saying to my mum, like, when are we going to move dad? Like we should, like, it's not, you know, people are going to think it's weird that <laughs> like mm. this dead body, but everyone was like, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And that was, that was one of my dreams. And I remember feeling so guilty that I didn't get this, like, he didn't visit me in light saying I am now yes. at peace. No, I just got this like, um, but yeah, someone did say to me, well, maybe you just deal with things practically. And I thought, yeah, I, I, yes. I do. <laughs> but um, that's so, I'm so happy that Brenda has found her, wherever, even if it's in your subconscious, it's, it's a lovely place. That's a really, really lovely thing to know. A, a, a really spooky thing happened the night she died, which I didn't put in the book. Mm. Um, and I caught the sight of kind of wish i had but i i i can't I, and i can't really remember what the thought processes of why i didn't put it in i think it was because it was the first chapter i didn't want people to think i was i was like <laughs> yeah. being a bit woo woo yeah straight away know. yeah but the morning after my mum died my wife georgie who and i really do have to stress this is the single most sensible person i have ever known in my life right She's a manager of artists. Okay, yeah, yeah. She is somebody who is very calm, who is very collected, who never says anything she hasn't thought about yeah. for at least half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So she's not someone who's given to making grand or, or wild statements. Yeah. So she woke up, and I woke up, and she turned to me and she said, something strange happened in the night. I, I woke up. And Brenda was holding me. And I looked at her and I said, I had the exact same experience. 
Oh my god. Isn't that weird? Like hold like hugging you? Yeah. Holding me from wow. behind. Wow. And wow. she had the exact same thing and she said it first. Oh I'm I'm a bit spooked. That's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. isn't it? That's really that's proper. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. And you both had the same dream. Yeah, exactly the same. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Stuff I love stuff like that. I didn't really have any experiences like that, but I do also vividly remember being 15 and being scared. And if anything spooky happened, I would say out loud, don't do anything. Like, if you're here, go away. Because I just, I was like, I was really, I thought I can't handle like seeing him or something happened. So I was very like, kind of like clear about my boundaries, um, which I now feel bad about. Perhaps he wanted to say hello. Um, but that's amazing. Oh my yeah. God. And yeah, it's yeah. always good if it's someone who's not woo-woo, isn't it? Someone who's not prone to being like no no I, oh, I yes. said I mean, so. I mean yes yeah. I mean if 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 there, there are certain people in my life if they'd said it I would have literally just you know yeah. quietly rolled an eye <laughs> yeah. and not given it a second thought but it was the fact it was her yeah. she said it first and I'd had the exact same wow. experience oh my god um, yeah what did Brenda die of what happened what was the she had breast cancer, had breast cancer. and it had and it had spread through her body yeah. The sadness for me was she, she was diagnosed about 10 years before she died. And that was at a point where her illness was sort of at its peak. Mm. And she was really, really her paranoid. mental illness, to say. Yeah, yeah, her mental illness was, and she was really paranoid. She genuinely believed that all the treatment that was being offered to her was a conspiracy between the hospital and myself and my father mm. uh, to kill her and so it took what what should have been you know once they had discovered that she had a cancerous lump things were that she was being treated at the Royal Marsden yeah. and they were ready to move really quickly and it took us three months at every single step like you know you're going in for a biopsy today no I'm not going you know I'm not doing this oh, you, you, they want you to have this no I'm not doing it um, so it was the most single stressful mm. six months of my life, that period. And she refused chemotherapy. She refused to have mastectomies. And she refused to have the medicine that she was supposed to take after they'd removed the lump and she'd had a bit of radiotherapy. So those things, mm. if she hadn't have been mentally unwell mm. at that time and had 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 all the things that the, that the Royal Marsden and we were telling her or encouraging her to do, she'd probably still be alive. That's so hard when someone mm. is refusing treatment. That's yep. an extraordinary... Because because she was unwell, mm. in, you know, mentally unwell. How did you deal with that at the time? Did you just, oh, like, what do you do? Just... This, it, it, it's... The really interesting thing looking back is how normalised it was for mm. me and my dad. And the the best way I can describe it is it's like a form of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And because for, you know, 40 odd years in my case, a bit longer in, in dad's case, it was ingrained into us that you don't mention the mental illness, mm. uh, you don't discuss it, you certainly wouldn't discuss it with a doctor because we never wanted bad Brenda to appear. Yeah. So you spend all of your life 
just ensuring that 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 bad Brenda, you don't give bad Brenda an excuse to come into the room. Mm. And I sat with my mother in uh, an oncologist's office at the Royal Marsden and listened to her explain to him that she'd been given cancer by a CIA operative in a bookshop in Cambridge. And none of us said a word. Yeah. But also, we didn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. Because this to us was normal. This was just, oh, mum's just being silly again. Yeah. But, you know... That was serious. Mm. And I'm still sort of slightly surprised that the doctor who was in the room when she said that... <laughs> didn't go, sorry, hang on Didn't think, hang on a minute, yeah. there's something off here. But I, I wonder if he just thought, oh, people say strange things when they've been diagnosed with cancer, she's in shock. Yeah, yeah. But nothing was done. Nothing. Nothing was done about it. And if if something had been done about it, again, I, I keep coming back to it, she'd probably still be alive. Mm. She'd have had a de- very, very, very different life if uh, what she had had been recognised much earlier in her life. Mm. Yeah, I felt that reading the book, the... Because obviously, you know, like you said, this is there's these two truths going on. Like she's so funny, and the things she does are mm. so outrageous, and to read about mm. them is like so enjoyable. <laughs> um, but there's this yeah like when you like you said because it's such a spectrum of behavior isn't it so like there's the fun brilliant yeah there's the fun and, and then, then there's me age 10 yeah. standing at a bathroom door trying to persuade her to take the carving knife out of her hand yeah. i mean what yeah that was my childhood well it's not a childhood and you is just it? think it's great it's yeah. like what the hell it's like I, I was I was providing mental health support <laughs> at the age of, of of seven and up. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's sort of like I can't actually believe I'm I'm saying it out loud. Mm. But you know, as a child, I was constantly trying to stop my mother from killing herself. It makes for a very complicated parent-child relationship. Yeah, and so of course, when you get to you know like you said you're an adult and she's an adult and the oncologist is saying you need to do this and she doesn't like of course you don't want to push her because you know you know like you said that's an entire life of don't push this person this person's not okay this person's not safe they're not stable like we can't do that but she wouldn't have accepted it either i i've I've had long conversations with um a friend of mine who's a, a, a a very eminent professor of oncology um, who knew her? I was at university with him, and as, as you know, known, known her since he was eighteen. And again, he's another very kind, very calm person. But he, I completely believed him when he said to me that there was not a chance in hell that my mother would ever have submitted to a psychiatrist. Mm, mm. Not a chance. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. It was a big breakthrough for me when I realised that she wasn't awful, mm, she was ill. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really important, especially for children. I mean, obviously, when I was growing up, you know, you weren't allowed to talk about it or tell anybody outside the family, and you weren't really allowed to talk about it inside the family. Mm. But if I had known for a single second that there was someone else who was going through what I was going through, yeah. and that none of this was my fault, or that I was causing any of it, mm then it would have made a huge, huge, huge difference. But they, you know, that there's very little support for children or family members who are dealing with or living with someone who is unpredictable because mm. of a mental health illness. I think, obviously, the treatment of mental health and the awareness of mental health and the stigma of mental health all those things have improved massively. Yeah, yeah. And that is absolutely brilliant. But there still needs to be a support mechanism for people who are living with the person mm. who has a mental health issue. Because it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a big, huge and serious thing. And it affects every aspect of your life. And that's, you know, it could be the same as if you're living with anybody who has a serious illness. Mm. It affects the entire family. There's no doubt about that. And I'm sort of careful about saying this because it's, it's like you, it, it's not to put a pressure on the person who has the mental health no, illness. No, no, but it's about being honest, I think. About... But, but, but people who live around those people who especially if they're unpredictable Mm. that's 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 that was my big issue Mm. it's that constant terror because she was so unpredictable Mm. and she could go from sweetness and light to literally you know you think she was capable of murdering someone in the space of seconds yeah yeah but it's how you deal with that and how you do you remove yourself from the situation but it's also about teaching yourself how to remain calm mm. in those instances but i spent i mean all, all of my 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 childhood i was just basically terrorized mm. that's how i feel now looking back i was terrorized my 20s were angry mm. because i resented it and i resented her mm. Um, and didn't fully understand her. My 30s were when we started to get on again. 
into and I think that was when I I was able to look at her and think okay this this was this you're not awful you're ill yeah yeah and I also developed much better coping mechanisms but she still you know it, it's I can still feel that visceral surge of oh fear and and, and that dread mm. that would surge through me and take me right back to fi- how I used to feel when I was you know, six and seven and eight. If she came through the door, if she came through my door and she went cooey cooey, I knew we were going to have a good day. Yeah, yeah. If if the door opened and there was silence, it would I would get that surge of dread. Mm. It's like oh no, bad Brenda's arrived. And it's I think what you're saying is, yeah, it's the unpredictability because as people, as humans, as adults, as children you're always looking for patterns you're always looking for like oh this makes them happy or this makes sense and when someone is irrational you know when it comes to a mental illness then there's no safe there's no safety is there there's no like oh if i do this i'll be all right and if i'm tidy this will be all right or like if i'm polite this it's like there's no telling so that makes you yeah you know it's a cliche but you're walking on eggshells all the time and that of course that makes you hypervigilant you know your cortisol is raised all the time like there's there's so many effects and I, I really yeah this is the thing it's not just it's no one's fault like you said like if someone has the mental illness of like that's not their fault and they need all no. lots of support but the people around them of course to deny that also they're not affected yeah. yeah you just like you said you need to know you're not the only one going through this because otherwise it's very lonely it's a really really lonely mm. place to be and I really feel for you that must have been such a difficult difficult place to yeah, be as a I child d- and I didn't have and I didn't have siblings I know I was gonna say not to have someone either. to look at and be like oh bloody so hell bad it, it really it really was a a long lone path that I was treading I'm very impressed that you not impressed is the wrong word but I'm very that you managed to stay in good um in a good relationship with her like in the book like mm. you said you know I know you had your moments where you were sort of not talking to her but you never you know, a lot of other people might have been like, That's, I don't talk to them. Like, they're dead to me because of what's happened. Like, you you stayed very present in her life. And the mm. love between you, that thing is so complicated, isn't it? It wasn't just... No, I oh, really loved her. Yeah. I really, really and loved her. it comes her. across in the book. But I think that's because the good Brenda was so good. Yeah. I think if she hadn't been interesting... Yeah. And if she'd been a bore, I wouldn't have felt so compelled... Mm to you know remain in contact with her but I did I really really loved her yeah and you didn't just stay and you know it wasn't like oh I made sure they're okay like they stayed with you 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 know you were very present in her life and yeah it's interesting isn't it with that when a personality is but I but I felt I felt a responsibility towards her yeah that's the thing it's like she was my child Mm. there's no doubt that those roles were completely reversed yeah. Like if anything had ever happened to my dad, she would have had to have come and live with me. Yeah, and I would have had to have looked after her for the rest of her life. Because you know she she didn't cook, <laughs> she didn't know how to use the washing machine. Yeah, she couldn't drive, she didn't carry money. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and like you said, I think the bit where you said like you know if it wasn't for you and your dad how would she have existed but she wouldn't have survived she wouldn't have survived i I would give her a week and she'd have be dead because she it was extraordinary but also that's all thanks to jermaine greer (laughs) 
she basically read the female eunuch and downed tools. That's what happened. Do you ever want to like call Jermaine and be like, mate, I know oh you had God. a point, but in my household, it caused some other problems. I mean, I will never forget the, the week, and I write about this in the book, but the week my dad went to oh, yeah. hospital. Yeah. I couldn't, I I couldn't believe this, Emma. I was uh, shocked. It's, it's, it's true. Yeah. This is a true story, Okay. <laughs> I stood in, in, a, in the hallway and I had a PE bag over one shoulder and I looked at her and I said, this, this is your big chance with me, do you understand? I mean, what 11-year-old turns to their mother and says that? Yeah. But that, that sentence in and of itself should show you exactly what I was going through. <laughs> so I said, this is your big chance with me, do you understand? And she went, yeah, okay, yeah. She, and I said, I'm not looking after you this week. Okay, and she went, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just in you know, this is just craziness. Yeah. And so I go off to school, and the, and then the only time I ever cried at school happened, um, because my French teacher said, um, okay, we're going to do a project, and I need you to get your mums to get you a scrapbook, and my hand Im- immediately shot up, and I said, I'm not going to be able to do the project because my mum isn't going to be able to get a scrapbook. Because in my head, I thought, number one, she's not going to know what a scrapbook is. Number two, she's not going to know where to get one. Yeah. And number three, she 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 can't possibly buy one. How, how can she do this? Yeah. It's, it's just impossible. And my French teacher, the next day, she misinterpreted me. And she thought I meant that we couldn't afford to get a scrapbook. And she gave me a scrapbook. She went and got me a scrapbook oh. and gave it to me. And that's the only time I've ever cried at school. Oh. And it's just, but it, it, it's interesting. Kindness, mm. little acts of kindness just absolutely floor me. And they still do to this day mm. because it's like, it's so gratefully received. And I still think just a, a little act of kindness Anyway, you know something you're doing for someone that that requires nothing back yeah it's just such a beautiful thing so kindness always makes me weep but anyway I, I then I went home and she was so pleased with herself and she looked at like giddy giddy thrilled <laughs> yeah. and she said would you like your first course she was very confident about this and I said, well, all right, yeah. And she put a pot of cockles inside of me. <laughs> I forgot the cockles. And, and we couldn't get the lid off. Oh. We couldn't get the lid off. So that, so that was, forget it. Starters so gone. what she did, so what she did, and, and the, the main course was supposed to be rice and garlic, so at which point I just said, look, forget this, and I made sandwiches. But from then on, every single day, she got me to phone a friend, a different friend every day, and and cry a bit down the phone and go, my dad's in the hospital, please, can we come for tea? And then obviously they'd ask their mum and their mum was, of course she can come for tea, poor thing. And my mother would be nudging me and going, and me, and me, Emma, and me. And so I'd go, come on, mum, come too. And then obviously they can't say no. So we would go to a different friend's house every night and have supper while my father was in the hospital. 
And I would be mortified. And my mother would think this was the greatest wheeze she had ever managed to pull out of a bag. Oh and I would, I would do the washing up. I'd insist on do the washing up. And there was one evening and I turned to her and I said, are you going to help me, mum, do this washing up? Because you do nothing. And she looked at me and she said, Emma, I can't lift a pan. My womb will drop out. And she genuinely believed that. I'm just speechless. I just don't know what to say. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? <clears throat> I mean, it's, that, it's extraordinary. None of that was made up. Because I, a, f- a friend, a friend once found her walking around town in Hitchin, staring into the gutter. She was just staring into gutters and wandering around. And uh, they said, "What's she doing, Brenda?" She said, "I'm looking for money. I want to buy a paper." She did. Honestly, she was like the Queen. She didn't carry money. I just, for me, like, as a child of the 80s who went to friends' houses for tea all the time after school, for a mum not to do, like, would have been, like, just, like, what? Like, what do you mean your mum can't? Because that was my, you know. I I once found her standing over a pan. (laughs) This is the only time I can ever remember her attempting to cook something. Again, I think it was when Dad was uh, in hospital. And she was standing over a pan and she was stirring it and again just looking like she'd won the pools and I said what's she cooking and she said uh, uh, broccoli and I looked in and it was parsley <laughs> I mean she had good comic comic sensibilities <laughs> she know, like, oh my god I mean she is it comes across in the book she's an extraordinary character like that and I think as well yeah I do think the gender's interesting because I said my dad was, you know, a bit of a character, but he was a man and it was always considered like, oh, he's a bit eccentric. And I think for a woman to behave like that must have been, again, really hard. Yeah. And especially then. Yeah, then. That's I mean, what I, mean, I, then. I, I didn't I didn't have anybody who had the same family setup no, as I did. Yeah. Like people, friends would come round and be astonished that my dad was doing the cooking. Yeah, yeah just astonished by it i know so that was so that was another thing that i was having to deal with that i didn't know anybody else who had the same sort of family arrangements that that i did yeah and i think it's easy to forget and i you know i mean it i don't it's not a good thing or a bad thing it's just that's what the past was like i didn't see any of my Mm. friends dads i never saw them they were working if you went round Mm. for tea they were net like cooking. I never saw a man. My dad did no yeah. cooking, did nothing at all. Like, <laughs> like, you know, and yeah, it. you forget how he, the past is, was not that long ago that that was an extraordinary thing that she was not refusing, to refusing to fulfill that role and sort of good yeah. on her, good on her for refusing to fulfill that role. But then passing, I mean, it, to your, it, to yeah, passing it to your daughter yeah, she, doesn't she, seem she like. She completely <laughs> took it. She did try to learn to drive once. But again, this tells you everything you need to know about her. She failed uh, on emergency stops because the 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 instructor said, "Okay, right, we're going to do the emergency stop now," and then he, you know, slammed his yeah. hand on the dashboard and she ignored it. And so silence. And he did it again. She ignored it. And he turned to her and he said, "We're doing the emergency stop." She said, "I know, but I can't stop here. I'm on a hill." <laughs> And then, you know, looked at him as if he was the mad yeah, one. Yeah, like, what is wrong like, with this man? what's she doing? Oh, my God. So that, that, you know, that was her. She she had no 
a regard for authority. Mm. In fact, anyone, if she ever came across anyone in authority, it was sort of her natural instinct to dislike them. Yeah, yeah. That's quite tricky growing up with that. Did you pick that up? Because my dad had that and we picked it up really badly and it did not work out for us in the real world. If, if anything, I've gone the other You've way. Gone the other way. I think that's sensible. If, if anything, I, I love rules. Oh. I love rules. I love regulations. In fact, just recently watching yeah. the, uh, the 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 pageant, I turned to my <laughs> wife and I said, "Do you know what? I would have done very well in the armed forces." <laughs> and she was she was quite surprised by that. But I absolutely would have loved to yeah. be in the armed forces. I would have loved the rules. Yeah. I would have loved being told what to do. I would have loved the regimentation of it because, of course, I, I had nothing like yeah, that you can relax. when I was Just a child. None of the chaos. It was like, I suppose, you know, on one level, I had extraordinary latitude mm, to yeah. do what I wanted. So there was that, you know, in my room, the rule was I had to keep the rest of the house. I wasn't allowed to make a mess in the rest of the house but I could do what I wanted in my bedroom. I could paint on the walls. Wow. I could paint on the carpets. I could do what I wanted. So it was like, you know, it, that that was great, but it, there was also sort of no sense of, there were no boundaries, yeah. really. Yeah. And so uh, what was interesting was that I gave myself those boundaries. Yeah, because kids want them. Kids, it's not that they don't yeah, want them, I, they want them. I, I applied rules to myself. Yeah. And I suppose, actually, that's one thing to thank her for because I've just got an extraordinary work ethic now. And I did then, I, when I was a child, mm. it was like I loved going to school and I loved doing my homework. And I think that was because school gave me boundaries and school gave me rules and mm. school gave me regulations and school was the place where I felt safe. Yeah, that's the thing with kids and boundaries, as you you know you learn pretty quickly as a parent that they actually do want them (laughs) otherwise they're not very happy how do you um obviously like you said after she died that extraordinary silence that comes when an extraordinary character is not there like how have you has the writing been the process that you've sort of pieced your grief back together yes yeah 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 absolutely um as soon as I got the letters, really, I, I always knew that I was going to have to write about them. Mm. And letters from Brenda, and I've never had this experience before in my entire career. I've never felt that I had to write mm. something, Yeah. that I had to get something out of me. Yeah. Um, and that is what letters from Brenda is. And... I'm so grateful to the book because I finally got the answer that that I was been asking myself mm. for you know over 50 years. Yeah. Of of and th- this is a blunt tool of a of a question but what was wrong with Brenda? Yeah. Yeah. And a great thing happened when I'd finished the uh the first draft and it had gone off. Uh, to my editor and obviously I'm not a clinical psychologist so but but uh, the first draft was me sort of trying to come to some form of answer and I sort of think well you know I've got the closest I'm ever going to get to something and we sent it off to a clinical psychiatrist just to make sure that I hadn't written anything that was wrong Mm -hmm. 
or irresponsible because obviously you know there will be people who will be reading the book who either have got a mental illness or living with someone with a mental illness and you have to be really careful about these things yeah yeah and the clinical psychiatrist really all that was being asked of him was just to check the book and and make sure that I hadn't got anything badly wrong and he wrote me this extraordinary letter and uh, and that and I asked and it was so extraordinary I asked him if we could put it in the book and it now appears as the epilogue mm. but he basically diagnoses her and that was a revelation mm. to me and at that point everything fell into place because it was okay we really didn't imagine it and number two it's quite shocking how serious the illness that she had was Mm. and the thought the thought that she had spent her life with that illness undiagnosed and unmedicated Mm. it's just uh, really shocking Mm. I think in so you felt like you got the validation that you weren't imagining it making it up because I guess your whole childhood had been like diminishing it like it's fine it's normal don't worry about it but you know what it's also really important that I I'm just so desperate to hold on to the good Brenda yeah yeah and it's so important to me to to not think of of Brenda as bad Brenda but as mad Brenda <laughs> yeah which 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 might seem weird to people listening but there's such a distinction mm. in terms of my emotional yeah strength and my emotional well-being mm. is that I can look back and think okay you know you didn't waste all that love on somebody who was a bad person you gave all of that love to somebody who was really unwell. Emma, that's a really beautiful way to hold your grief. Yeah. Because it is really, really hard when somebody has not <laughs> delivered on all the parent tick boxes that you needed. So I think, yeah, to be able to give her that grace and understanding is really it's really important and also like you said gives your grief space to evolve because otherwise you are slightly stuck in that well they did this to me and why and you know and all the anger and all the that stuff you get sort of stuck in that room yeah and for grief you know it doesn't disappear but it needs to evolve with you that's I think the only way you can sort of not feel awful every day Mm. it's interesting you know since since the book since, since finishing the book I've had a feeling that I haven't had for a very, 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 very long time. And that's, do you know what? If if, if someone could give me a wish mm. right now, it would be I'd go and hang out with her. Oh. I would flipping love to hang out with my mother mm. again. I really miss the, the energy of her. Mm. It's hard that you... I... I sort of feel like somebody sometimes needs to be dead for you to reach that place of understanding with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they kind of need. Oh, she was exhausting. Yeah, and she, you, know, you need like no a proper break to stand back from them and have like yeah. years away from them, and then you can see them like a, a sort of eagle eye view of everything that they are and what happened, and then you can go, oh, I get it. 
It wasn't yeah. my my, you know. my life is so different. Yeah. Without her in it, yeah. it is peaceful. It is calm. Yeah. You know, I my life is my own. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't matter where I was, what I was doing. If if she was kicking off, she would let me know about it wherever I was in the world. <laughs> and I would then be involved, intricately involved mm. in the untangling of it from wherever I was until it concluded. Mm. And that would happen all the time. So there are elements of, of her in my life that I really don't miss at all. Mm. But and it's I suppose it is important that I remember that chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that I'm not sort of romanticizing mm-hmm. who she was in my life on a daily basis. Mm. But I would love to hang out with her, you know, and and have a, a long, really long, laugh-filled conversation with her. She really did sound like the most extraordinary person yeah, yeah. She, she she if you met her she was a once met never forgotten person that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what she was yeah yeah and that is you know it's like standing next to fire isn't it it's like it's amazing yeah. it's very warm sometimes it's too hot <laughs> yeah. but it's also an extraordinary thing to to be next to um emma thank you so much for talking to me about brenda like what what a legend what a legend she really does sound extraordinary for all her ups and downs and brilliance and terrible things that she had to deal with and you had to endure as well um the book is brilliant and you get even more of a sense of her <laughs> adventures and your poor dad your poor we should raise oh, a glass I mean, to your hat, dad yeah. hats off to hats, hats off. off to tony tony what a saint yeah absolutely what a saint, saint yeah. he he has been yeah, yeah. yeah. like the, he, i feel like he uh, definitely needs a small memorial plaque <laughs> yeah eventually raised for what he did but yeah thank you so much it was really wonderful to remember her my pleasure you can buy emma's book letters from bender now and all her other books are available to buy as well you can follow her on twitter at emma kennedy you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the Griefcast. the show was recorded remotely it was edited by Kate Holland, the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble, artwork by Jade Perkin, stop motion animation by Alice Loveday, and remember, you are not alone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 